Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. What's happening, baby? What's happening to ATL? It's feeling good out there. And yes, after this show, I am going to the Virginia Highlands Festival. So yes, that's where you will be seeing me, posting up pics and everything. But I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Today's going to be an awesome show. This could help a lot of you because this is all about being wrongly charged, being falsely accused out there. And you don't know how to go about just rectifying that problem. But stay tuned. We're going to have a little bit more on the bright side with Technicia. Hmm. This is strange. You never done that before. That's the only thing I want to hear that radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. They said something. Well, it's not me. It's, they said it's um. They're doing something with the site. You should have said that. Start your show now. Press one. It appears that the host has already dialed into the show. Only one host is allowed per show. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Oh, come on. Now, stop that foolishness. See if this will work. No, but if it could, it should have made it. Go on there. Hello? All right. David? Yes, I'm here. Oh, good. Amen for that. Everyone, I'm so sorry for the technical difficulties. Obviously, Blog Talk Radio is getting a little audio foul issues, and their engineers are working on that solution, which I wish they would have sent out earlier before actually my show. But in the meantime, you know, they're trying to get that squared away. So hopefully you just... I just won't be able to do any audio for any of you. And when I do commercial breaks, it just won't go to a commercial. But we're going to overskip that because I really want to have this show today. I think this is very important for everyone to hear because I know my husband has been wrongly 
accused and charged and anyone else out there probably have been through the same situation, even with the traffic stop. So, David, thank you for your patience. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you. You know, I read I read most of your book, and it scared me a little bit because I was thinking of the fact that, oh, if a lot of people don't know, David, he, he made his living as a locksmith in Coconut Creek, Florida. Life he thought was pretty good, of course, till he had some run-ins with the law and everything kind of reversed. So, we, unfortunately, if you have been there, you already know of this situation. But there may be more if you're trying to rectify and really clear your name. So, David, after reading your book, I thought about the fact that you said that everyone needs a Bell's Bondsman. And that kind of scared me a little bit because I never committed any crime. I don't know. Should I should I run out today or tomorrow and go get one? It's not a bad idea today. You can get pulled over for just a, a, a traffic stop, and your name could be similar to somebody that there's a warrant out, or you could have not paid a traffic ticket. Like I had a, a friend of mine that did, they didn't register that he went to driving school, and it was a court-ordered driving school. And he went, but the clerk just forgot to put it in the system. So as far as the uh, system was concerned, he violated a court order, and he was driving with a suspended license, and he got arrested. They impounded his car, and he's never done anything wrong in his life before, and he didn't know what to do. And the problem is, if you call your wife or your relative and there's no answer, that's the one phone call you're allowed. But a bail bondsman always answers the phone. Oh, now that situation, I did read about that, about your friend getting a traffic stop, and that happened to my husband when we was heading, we were heading to Miami, Florida, and he got stopped, and the officer told him that his license was suspended, and I guess they did the same thing. They didn't put it in the system, but he ended up having to pay up to six months um, on his insurance. I forgot how that went. And um, he gave him an ultimatum. He told him, either we arrest you or we take the car. So he was like, well, you go ahead and take the car because it was a rental. And one thing about um, car rentals, they will come and get their vehicle. So don't worry about that. But it was just so devastating that I never got to my destination. and then had to wait on one of his family members to come and get us, which was a 10-hour drive, just come all the way to get us. I was like, never again. Of course, they they sent out him a letter that he posted uh, pay, but we don't know what happened to that letter. So he, I asked him to come on the show today, Dave. He was like, no. He was like, I'm not. They might listen to your show, and they might want to come and get me for that payment. But, um... <laughs> But that that has to be devastating to just be falsely accused of something that you didn't actually do. And, David, what was actually, if you don't mind explaining to the listeners, what was actually your, the what I'm trying to say, what did they accuse you of? Well, what happened was, you know, being in the locksmith business here in South Florida, there's no licensing regulations of any kind. So the exactly. business got very, very competitive. So uh, me and my partners didn't know what to do to drum up some business, so we came up with an idea, which it wasn't really a nice idea, but we checked with three attorneys before we did it to make sure that it wasn't criminal or anything could really happen other than maybe a lawsuit. And what we did is we put up some websites, and we registered five or six uh, you know, names with the state of Florida, and we received the registration, so that meant that they accepted it. And we put up websites all over the uh, Internet. Now, the only problem with the websites were the names that we registered were similar in nature to some of the larger competitors that were in business. So it wasn't something that's really nice to do, but it happens every day. So, for example, if the name of your company was ABC Lock Shop and Security Center, we registered ABC Locksmith. And we put on the websites, if you put the two of them together, they look nothing alike, 
And at the bottom of the website, we actually had a disclaimer that we were not the other company with a link to click to their website so that we had everything covered properly. And everything was fine with the exception of once in a while the competitor would find out that we did a job that they called us instead of him. But other than that, everything was fine because, remember, the customer still got their locks changed. Everything was fine. But we did it to a company in a big town there of Palm Beach, a very rich town, and the company mm-hmm. that we did it to, unfortunately, happens to do all the work for the town of Palm Beach, including the police department. So, uh, in February of 2013, we got a phone call, and the, the person on the other end said, I have a front door lock that I need rekeyed to change the cylinder to a new key. So I called one of my independent contractors, who actually does work for several other companies also, and he drove over there, he knocked on the door, and he asked, uh, you know, oh, this is the lock, we need this one rekeyed. So he took it off the door, and he reset it to a new key. And then he reinstalled it, and the gentleman tried all the keys, everything was good, and they paid him in cash for the job. And when he was done, he was walking out to his car, and he was surrounded and knocked to the ground, and he, they told him he's under arrest for burglary of an occupied dwelling, grand theft, and impersonation, and that's how the story actually began. Wow. I thought I lost you there for a minute. <laughs> well, uh, no, you didn't. It's, it's just so it's scary to know that this actually can happen to you. I'm, I'm sort of glad that my name is Technicia Day, but I hope no one else tries to do anything wrong up under my name because that's scary to get stopped and don't know why. Uh, but this is what I want to know, though, David. If the officer approached your door, because as I always learned, you give up your rights when you open your door. I'm afraid to open up my door, even if it's an officer. But you do not have to allow them into your house, correct? Unless they have a warrant. If they have a warrant, you have to let them in. But, uh, no, they can ask you, can I come in, and, you know, you can say uh, no unless they have a search warrant. Right. But why do people plead guilty to crimes they did not commit? Well, here's the problem. There's two words for that. It's called fear and money. Because the problem is why the system needs to be changed is in a criminal case, even if you win the case, if the jury comes back not guilty or if they decide that they don't have enough evidence and they dismiss it, you do not do not get reimbursed of any kind for your court cost, your attorney's fees, your bond money. So they can run up all these charges against you, and if they're serious enough, some people take mortgages on their house, and they're stuck with a mortgage, and the charges were dismissed or they were found not guilty. So a lot of people just figure, you know what, let me plead to a lesser charge, let it go away, because i got to cut my losses, and that's the reason they get away with doing that. Now, that's, um, that's bring it back. Now, bring it back. now, going back to your book, too, because you also mentioned – in your book about the fact that when you get there, it's not like how we thought on law and order, or you get that phone call. This is actual reality. You will not get that phone call for a, first, for a few hours, because my husband even said when he was locked up, no one knew of his whereabouts. No one knew he was even locked up. Absolutely, because when you get arrested, first they take you to the police station, interrogate you in some cases, and then after they're mm-hmm. good and ready, they bring you down to the main jail for central booking. And there's no phone calls allowed until after you process. You sit there for a couple of hours, they do a drug test, they put you through the, you know, we'll check your name out, check what the charges are, and then finally they'll call up your name and say, these are the charges, and at that point the charges are put into the system for the bail bondsman to see. That's the time they allow you the phone call. It can be anywhere from one hour to four hours from the time you're booked in the main jail. And the main person you should be contacting is the bail's bomb and not your family or friends because they have no idea probably what's going on either. Well, a lot of people that you know aren't familiar with how the system works, they won't know how to get down there, what to do, and how to get you out quickly. See, now in the electronic age, if it's a small bond, a misdemeanor or a minor white-collar felony, most bail bondsmen can do it electronically. They don't even have to be at the jail, and if it's a small amount, they'll take the risk because as soon as you walk out of the jail, they'll be waiting for you, and if you don't 
pay them their fee, they, you know, then they'll revoke the bond. But they have the uh, ability of bonding you out within 30 minutes of the time that the charges are read to you, where the average person has to go down to the jail, and even if it's like $1,000 in cash, they have to wait in a long line, and then after you pay it, till the girl gets good and ready to let upstairs know or downstairs know that the bond was posted. So most people wind up to get arrested spending 24 to 36 hours in jail. Oh, God, Lee, Jesus, that is too long, and probably no food. Nothing to drink. Oh, Lord. I, I couldn't well, do they it. Do, they I, I'll come around uh, every okay. half hour with water, and they'll throw in a moldy bologna sandwich from time to time. <laughs> you know, but uh, if you're looking for lobster, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh at how you said he said, then it's, then it's molded. Lord Jesus. That's all. That is. That's horrible. And you think that you can handle it, but I can imagine sending the cell, even if it's with someone else. You could probably go crazy within them within that amount of time, because I probably would. Not being used to that, and and my freedom is taken away. Oh wow, that that is something serious. But baby, how do how does one go about getting a bun? Because I I don't understand all that, and I do want to know how they get what a bond. Yes. How, well, how does that come about? Okay, when you call the bail bondsman, okay, let's uh-huh. say, for example, your bond is set at $5,000, which is common for a felony charge. The bail bondsman's fee is 10%, which is non-refundable. Win, lose, discharge, that's his fee. So once you you give him uh, his 10%, he, he does it through an insurance company, and he posts it right electronically. So years ago, they had to do paperwork. Today, they do. They, everybody has an iPad, and they're hooked into the system. And once he's satisfied that everything is in order, he's got your residential address, and he's verified you, he just presses a button, and it notifies the main jail where you're at that the, your bond has been posted, and they begin to process you out, which also can take a few more hours. Okay. And when you get buns, because I always hear, let's say your bun is $5,000, is it exactly $5,000 or is that just a, or is that just a, a term that they use? Because my husband told me it'd be like $500. Well, the, the, you have to put up 10% if you use a bail bondsman. Oh, so you have okay. to put up $500, which is a non-refundable fee, and they put up the 5000 for you. Oh, okay. Now, okay. if you happen to have cash, which most people don't carry right. around, let's, let's say, for example, the bond is $1,000, and uh, you have somebody that just happens to be right near the jail, they can actually post $1,000 cash, and when you cases disposed of, you get your money back and it wouldn't cost you anything. But it's very time-consuming, and most people, when they're arrested, the bonds are substantially higher if it's a felony. But, like, if it's a misdemeanor for $100, you can have somebody come there with $100 and, you know, put it up. But the bail bondsmen, the idea of using them is for quickness, to get out. You don't want to sit in that jail, you know, any longer than you really have to. And can one really be released from jail without seeing a judge? Absolutely. Every state has, okay. unless it is a violent crime or a non-bondable okay. offense. You know, if it's a obviously if it's a rape or a murder or an armed robbery, no. But if it's a uh, shoplifting charge or a, a car, uh, you know, something related to a misdemeanor, anything that's not violent, when they read your name, they let you know what the bond is. Now, the thing is, it has to be done quickly, because if it's not done okay. the, you know, the right way, then you transport it to the main, you know, you have to wait overnight for magistrate court, and then the judge has to hear the case. Wow. And is it true, like, okay, if you really have to go see a judge, you know, most of the time when I watch these, when I watch my law shows, judge, don't fool with you on the weekend, so... If you're in trouble on a Friday, imagine how long you got. You have to stay in there all the way to Monday, David, just to wait? No, absolutely not. They're required bond. Okay. Magistrate court must be held every, within 24 hours. That's the law from the time of your arrest. 
If it's a violent crime, you're not going to get bond. But if you were arrested for shoplifting and you didn't make the phone call, uh, depending on the time of the evening or the day that you're arrested, by the following morning, within 24 hours, they're required to hold the magistrate court. Now, the problem is when you do go to court, uh, they don't have to honor the bond that's set by the state. So if your bond is $5,000, for example, you can ask them to lower it, which could happen to your advantage. But if you happen to have a prior criminal record, and even if it's minor, they could decide, well, you mm -hmm. know what, you've done something wrong before, so now we're going to make the bond 20000 And that's why I always like to tell people to get out before you see the magistrate. Wow. Oh, Lord Jesus. It's more work than anything. And here you're thinking, oh, I'm innocent. I don't need nothing. Look what happened to your two friends. And, of course, the police pulled them over, license registration, and here we go, left field. Like, no, that's not supposed to happen to the good people. But in all reality, like your book says, that's why you have to have, you have to take precaution and be ready. Just the same way as if you have a house, you have to get rental insurance. These are things that you need to know. So, hey, I might have to look into that day because I don't have time for that foolishness to be locked up and, being wrongly accused for something I didn't do, and especially if it goes to the fact we have had so many people, innocent people, that have been charged in the system just for murder and stayed in. And, for instance, like the movie, what's the movie? Um, Hurricane did 20, did 20 years for something, for something that he didn't even do. And look how long. There's no way you could give a person back all those years. He, I mean, by the time he got out, he has lost everything. Well, I'll give you a little story. Here in South Florida, about a month ago, I was watching the news, and this poor guy, mm -hmm. that usually, unfortunately, happens to minorities on more than uh, the average person, he had his picture on Facebook, and he mm -hmm. happened to resemble a person that had just raped and attacked this girl. And he, they came to his house, and they arrested him. And he laid in jail on a no bond because that's a violent felony for 42 days, okay? And 42 days later, they decided, I mean, there was no rush, to do a DNA test, and they found out it wasn't him. He looked like the person, but it wasn't him. They actually caught the right person. Now the guy's released with an apology, but that's it. He's out $7,500 in attorney's fees, and his name is all over the Internet. And worse than that is now if you look him up, it says so-and-so was arrested for armed kidnapping and rape, case dismissed. So if he goes for a job now, um, a lot of people don't believe that he didn't do anything wrong. It's just because of the nature of the arrest. So, you know, that's why I have a section in the book on how to seal or expunge to restore your, uh, you know, to get that off your record. Right. That was done here in, in Georgia, too. A guy was wrongly accused, and it come to find out it was his twin brother. Right. That was doing all this. I, what, I, what I'm upset about. Uh, number one, in a case like that, the state should automatically expunge the record. You shouldn't have to file any type of paperwork. Right. It was their error. And the second thing, you know, he, he's out this money. They don't reimburse. And that's why they didn't rush to do the DNA test. They could have, he was screaming the whole time he didn't do it. They could have done that DNA test that, right while he was in the station, gave him a swap, okay, and they get results back in less than 24 hours, and he could have been released instead of having all that happen, have to lay there. But because he has to pay for everything, there's no rush. If the state knew that they would have had to reimburse him the $7,500 and do all these things, they would have done that DNA test right away. And that's what I, I'm very upset about. I am too. I mean, you waste all my time when you could have easily done that. And, David, I thought that's what they're supposed to do anyway. When they book you, they're supposed to swab you and take your blood test before um, actually putting you into the cell. I thought all that was done. Most of the time, not all the time. And, there's, you know, the thing is they're not in any rush to get to get uh, you released from, from jail. There's no rush because, you know, uh, you know, there's no cost to them. I mean, you're paying all right. the fees and everything like that. If the state knew that if a charge was going to be dismissed or they really had very little evidence and they were going to have to refund that bond money and that 42 days, $100 a day for every day you're in jail and your legal fees, believe me, this guy would have been DNA'd right away and they would have processed them in and out within 24 hours. 
Oh, Lord. And I have twin daughters. I can't even imagine them or don't want to imagine them going through that scenario. You know, somebody got the same DNA as you, and they always tell you when you go apply for your license, you know, do you have someone with the same name, birthday? You thought maybe that would help. And like you said, they don't care. It's not my time. I'm not one behind the bars. What, what shall I care? And that's pitiful that they actually are like that. But you have low-down people in the system, too, that, that don't care. It's actually worse, unfortunately, when a female gets arrested than a male. Uh, because, you know, it's, oh, if you're looking for cleanliness in a uh, in the jail, in the cells, they're filthy and dirty. And if, mm. unfortunately, a woman has to sit to pee, um, you know, uh, if she's looking for a, a clean toilet seat, that's not going to happen. The place is extremely filthy. It's not kept clean. And I'm not saying it's supposed to be like a hotel, but, I mean, you know, a little humanity would be nice in the uh, in the jail. Oh, Lord. I don't imagine it's no life for anyone. I don't want to go, David. I pray to God I never have to end up in that predicament that no one takes me to that max. You know, we always say, oh, if it's my child, what I would do. Oh, now I'm really thinking about, like, I don't I don't think so. I, I don't want to. I, I can't imagine being behind those bars trying to fight. And it's even worse than when you actually have to be behind those bars for years. You have to fight for your life, you know, uh, uh, but I'm that's glad. That's why I'm glad I have money. you on this show. Well, hey. Now, David, why do you lose even if you win at trial? Well, like I explained, the court costs, attorney's fees, and any right, money right. that you've paid out are not going to be reimbursed to you. So obviously, in like in my case, I spent uh, $60,000 in legal fees, and my two colleagues... Ooh. Twenty-five and thirty-five thousand for legal fees. Mm. Their cases were dismissed. In my case, for example, I was one of the unfortunate ones uh, that I actually did take a plea to a misdemeanor because otherwise it would have cost me another thirty-five thousand dollars to try the case. And you always got to remember, trials are a uh, gamble. If for whatever reason they don't like you and they find you guilty, uh, my charges would have been twenty years in state prison for just having a name that was similar to somebody else, which I find unbelievable. But uh, that's why people plead guilty. They're scared, and they don't want to spend the money. Now, I'll tell you the truth. If I would have known that they would have reimbursed me for all my legal fees, in my case, I might have gone for the trial. But, you know, when you think about it, there's always that 1% chance that the jury doesn't like what you did or something, and they can find you guilty to punish you because they think what you did wasn't nice. Why? Oh, Lord. Now, also, you explain in your book, you know, you believe this to be that we are innocent until proven guilty, but you all believe that's true in theory, but it's not always true in the execution. Explain why. Because when you get arrested, you have to put up the bond money. You have to go and do all these things. Uh, so right. if the presumption is innocence then you shouldn't have to post any bond money or anything like that. The only people that should be held are people of violent criminals. You know, a simple shoplifting case and white-collar crimes, if you're supposed to have the presumption of innocence, you should have your chance to go to court and do that. You shouldn't have to post any bond money. And, uh, you know, the way they treat you when you're going through the system, you have to come up with the, the legal fees, and which are non-reimbursable, unlike in a civil case. See, that's what the difference. In a civil case, if uh, you sue me or I sue you and I win, I can ask for court costs and attorney's fees. And that's what I'm saying. Okay. If the criminal system was the same way, think people would not get arrested on maybes as easy. Wow. Um. And I was very upset with the fact that even your friend Joe, he didn't stand a chance when he was wrongly accused. No. Against the woman uh, just for saying that's him. Yeah, it happened to a good friend of mine in New York. And then we had a case here in Florida where the guy had an accident and he wasn't drunk. Actually, it was one of my customers that I did work for. And he killed mm -hmm. five people in the accident. And they offered him a plea of five years in state prison, and he turned down the plea because he felt it was an accident. It happens, you know, he wasn't drinking, he stopped, 
And uh, unfortunately, because he exercised this constitutional right for a trial, the, you know, they don't like that. You know, they, when you're taking that plea, the judge asks you, are you pleading guilty because you are in fact guilty? And you want to stand up and say, no, Your Honor, I'm not guilty. I'm pleading I, guilty because I'm afraid that you won't give me the same five years in prison exactly. if I'm found guilty. You know, so unfortunately, they force you into these pleas. And he didn't take it, and he was found guilty. And they sentenced him to the max, like he was a, a career criminal. And he appealed it with one of the best attorneys. He spent over $250,000 in legal fees. Five years after he was found guilty, they finally sent him to jail. And he's mm -hmm. going to get out, actually, next April. He's been in there almost 14 years already. It's unbelievable. Oh, Lord. Yep. And he Lord. was diabetic. And uh, he, had, he wasn't feeling well. And he was speeding. See, that's the problem. He was speeding. Okay, but he did, he wasn't drinking or anything. And the funny part of it is, what a lot of people are not interested. You know, they don't realize the jury is never allowed to know what the possible sentence is if they come back with a guilty plea. Because in this mm. particular case, um, one of the jury foremen actually said when they heard what the sentence was that if they would have been advised that he was facing 15 years they would have mm -hmm. probably not found him guilty. They were very wow. upset. I mean, they felt he deserved the punishment, but not 15 years. It's, they only, they charged him like he left, like a, like a DUI, pretty much. So, oh, how mercy. a thing, and these are why, unfortunately, why people hear these things, and then they say, gee, I better plead guilty to something I didn't do, because look what happens when I take the trial. Oh, uh. Lord, have mercy, and 14 years, and still there, Lord Jesus. That yeah, he tried so, to get his sentence reduced, and, you know, you would have thought that he he left the scene, because that's normally the sentence for somebody like right. uh, that DUI or, uh, you know, where he left the scene of the, without stopping. But, I mean, he got a penalty that was pretty high. Even you know, And, again, five people did die in the accident, but it was an accident. You know, and the funny part of it was the same week that that happened, there was a case in the other side of town in a different county where a 19-year-old girl was driving and she slammed mm -hmm. into the rear of a car with a pregnant woman and she fell into the the car went into the canal and they both you know the baby drowned and she drowned and she was given a suspended license and no criminal charges so it's amazing how you know one accident is a is a uh, traffic ticket for the same thing two people technically died and the other guy sitting in jail for 15 years mm -hmm. so you know it depends on your judge and your county and you know Unfortunately, the public pressure sometimes, uh, the, the uh, media can eat you up a lot of times if they, you know, follow right. the case. Right, yeah. and that's a lot to come, and that is, that's a lot to come back from. But I want my listeners to make sure they come back with me because we're going to stick with David on being wrongly charged, and we will talk about where you can purchase his book too. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog, 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 Talk. Blog Talk Radio, baby. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much, for taking me out to the park, for reading me books, for taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot in ballet rehearsal, for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom, for having the chance to take you to the park, for reading you those books we enjoy so much, for being able to take you to your therapies after you twisted your ankle, for understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. Visit aarp.org caregiving to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Remember, visit aarp.org caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
we all have heard that sound, Law and Order theme song. But of course, in reality, everything is not like it is on actual TV. This is reality, and things happen differently when you are locked up, when you actually have to hear this sound. Yes, that's right. The doors are closing, and there's nobody that's probably out there to really help you except maybe Good Bells Bomber, as David mentioned earlier. And David, of course, we have talked about the things that you should probably, the things that you need to do when you are in jail. And, of course, your book inquire about that. Um, now, when you get stopped for a traffic ticket, how can you really get out of that if you pull it over? Well, usually uh, you got to be very respectful to the police officer because, first of all, when they pull you over, a lot of people get angry when they get pulled over. And it is upsetting because, you know, it's, it's going to cost you money if they write you a ticket. But a lot of times, being showering the police officer with niceness gets them off guard. They don't expect that. They expect most of the time someone's going to be argumentative or nasty. And usually when I get pulled over, and it's worked for me 99% of the time, if the police officer pulls me over and says, do you know why I pulled you over? And if I do, I actually say, you know what, I made a mistake. I think I might have been going a little over the speed limit. I'm not sure, but, right. you know, here's my license, here's my registration. And if it happens to be dark out, I roll down the window and I turn on the dome light. So when he walks to the car, he sees everything is good. He has that feeling of confidence that there's nothing hidden. And believe me, just doing things like that and being respectful, he's walking back to his car thinking, boy, I haven't pulled anyone over so nice like this. If he's on the borderline of giving you the ticket, the respectfulness that you gave him uh, is amazing. And another thing a lot of people don't know is when they do write the ticket, if they are giving you the ticket, they write notes down on the back of the ticket. So if they have to go to court, if you were disrespectful or if you were really nice, and a lot of times if you're really over-respectful, they'll say, you know what, I'm not even going to show up in court and you'll win by, uh, which happened to me many a times when I did get a ticket, I won by default. And uh, the cops aren't that bad. They're just so used to pulling over people that are nasty or they get argumentative. And the last thing you want to do is get them angry because the next thing is a backup car comes and you're, you're in handcuffs and a little $100 or $150 traffic stop can turn into a $10,000 legal bill. Right, because even when they stop you, they have they have two police cars because they don't want to take any chances now that people are actually killing them off. So they're going to have backup regardless. If I got to stop you, that's how it's going to be. And, and you are right about that. Sometimes they will be nice because when they have stopped my husband, they'll be like, oh, okay, well, since it's the case, then you go and you might pay this online. It might not be that much, but I would love to hear if they don't want to show up in court. Uh, yeah. Now, when they well, when one of, didn't show up in court. If you're very nice to them, and even if they give you the ticket, I actually say thank you and have a nice day. And they walk away right. from, from the car, and they're like in disbelief that somebody showered them in, in niceness even after they right. got a ticket. <laughs> it's not gonna, it's not gonna change anything, and it's aggravating to get that no. ticket. But you know, it's only a couple of hundred dollars at worst, and unfortunately, sometimes it's somebody's whole week or a half a week's pay. But it's cheaper than getting yourself involved in a legal tangle of getting pissing off the cop and getting arrested, and you know, because then then you make their day. I mean, then they don't have to work the rest of the day. They impound your car, going to cost you money to get it out, and you're going to lay in jail for 24 hours unless you know how to get out quickly. And now you got to hire an attorney, and it, it, all this from a $200 traffic ticket at worst, it's not worth it. Okay, no, it's not. But going back to going back to the fact that you're wrongly accused, that's hard because now your name is out there in the system. And even if you are proven guilty, people still think of you. That's that person. You are the one that did this. No matter what the media may have said to try to rectify it, you are still held accountable. And that's how people see in their eyesight because people don't care. They don't want to hear nothing else. They only want to believe what they want to believe. They want to stick to what they want to stick to. So how do you go about getting your civil rights restored? Well, if you live in a state like Florida, if it's a uh, if adjudication was withheld, like in my case, or the case is dismissed, you can have it sealed or expunged. Unfortunately, if you live in a state like New York, 
it's a non-expungement state. So if you get convicted of shoplifting and it's over $1,000 or over $500, I forget what the law is in New York, uh, it's a felony. And it doesn't show up shoplifting. It shows up grand theft, so it looks bad. And you can't get a real estate license. Every license you go for, if you have a felony conviction, you can't get your, you know, your license in most cases. So there's states that do not have sealing and expunging do have what's called civil rights restoration. And you can apply to the state after you, if you, once you finish your probation, because most people that convicted of a felony do have probation, to have their civil rights restored. And when your civil rights are restored, it basically states that the conviction that's on your record cannot be used against you to deny you the license or permit. There's only certain permits, like a gun license, you might not be able to get unless you have the certificate actually state that includes the right to bear arms which is a little tougher to do, but it can be done, depending on what you were arrested for. Okay. And I do love the fact that you mentioned most of the guys in your book who were falsely accused. Um, there was one more, too. His name was um, John Thompson. He was uh, falsely accused. And I think his was um, robbery and murder. He was arrested for that. And they somehow, they didn't, pull up his blood type, and they ended up finding that out, and that tied him off where he was taken off death row. But just to imagine you've been accused, and then you're on death row, how many people actually have died from death row before they were even stated that they were innocent? I can't even think of the other guy named David um, that was accused of a murder that they were still trying but after they gave him death row, it was still certain that he was probably innocent. But it's like, it's too late now. You're dead. Like, you can't go back. You can't revive this person. You are killed them all. That's totally different when you're taking someone else's life away. Yeah, I have, I, a, be- I have one in my book like that in Florida that they uh, realized after they executed him, unfortunately, right. on the wrongly convicted section. That it was a mistake, and you know, unfortunately, it was too late. All right, you don't, you can't give that person life back. That's why I don't think I could ever want to do jury duty, and I was glad it didn't choose me. I don't want someone else's life in my hand. I really don't. I couldn't work a criminal case because I would that would be on my mind. I don't know if you really did this. I don't know if the victim's lying or not. You know, I just couldn't. I don't want that in on me. At all, that's something I never could want to do. But it's just so sad that so many people have lost their lives just to this because they're wrongly accused and nobody don't want to take out the time. Then, oh, wait a minute, twenty years later, oh, now I found the evidence. But you're like what, sixty or seventy years old, and you've been let out of jail. Now life is, it's a different culture to you now that you're out. So I, I could probably imagine what someone going through. And David, I'm sorry that you had to go through that too. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, you know, I aggravated the wrong person. And, you know, the proper thing in our case would have been a cease and desist letter and, uh, and or a civil lawsuit because people come out with a product or a service every day. It's on the news every day, and this one copies mm-hmm. it, when, you know, something similar. But it's not a police matter. And the funny part of this case was is that, you know, they had an eight-month investigation on this case. It went on from December of 2012 all the way through my arrest of August of 2013, and they actually hired forensic experts. I mean, it was an amazing thing. It was the front page of the newspaper in August. You would have thought that I was a murderer, that I killed somebody. They exhausted close to a couple of million dollars in money in that time. And it's amazing that they would spend that kind of money and give the police officer an award for this when he actually got zero convictions. Because even in my case, the plea to the misdemeanor, the adjudication was withheld, which means after the probationary period, there's no formal conviction on the record. So what he got an award for was probably spending the most money for the least results. Now, now going further into your book, we talk about a plea bargain. Now, what are some of the benefits of taking a plea bargain? 
Well, like in my case, for example, my charges were money laundering, amazingly enough, organized scheme to defraud, and impersonation. And it's funny because when the state reviewed the charges, they actually dropped on all three of us the impersonation charge, which I found interesting because I thought that that was the whole – or, you know, their whole motive on this thing, that we were impersonating the other company. They actually dropped that charge. But see, now the money laundering and the organized scheme to defraud, if convicted, is 15, could get 15 years, 20 years in state prison, okay? And, you know, you, and also to go to trial for that and is going to cost you $35,000 for the average attorney, you know, because those oh. are very... Yeah, and these are money that you're not going to get back. So by taking a plea to petty theft, which is not so terrible, I mean, it's terrible that you have to take a plea, but it's not such a terrible charge on your record, misdemeanor, and pay a little restitution, which did bother me, i got to say, to people that I never did anything to, but just to make it go away, uh, and having that on my, you know, with a withheld adjudication, and no more, and getting it over with, was, you know, you think about it, and it's like, do you want to risk going to trial, spend another $35,000, or just take a small misdemeanor? 90% of the people go for the plea, including myself. Mm-mm-mm. And look at the money that you're spending out, and you're not getting a single dime back. Lord, how mercy. Well, there needs to be Woo! legislation... You know, and I'm hoping this book does it because actually, as of uh, last week, it made the Amazon's bestsellers list. And you know, a lot of people are reading. Yeah, it actually did. We're uh, we're number six right now. We've been as high as number two on the Amazon list. Well, what we actually did is to help people get the book um, for the month of June. We discounted the Amazon ebook to 99 cents, so it's very inexpensive. Okay. Get an e-copy for this month. The paperback is seventeen ninety-five, and 10% of the profits of this book is being donated to a fund to help other people that can't afford an attorney uh, that contact us that have been wrongly accused or wrongly charged. Once we get, you know, we're in six months into the uh, thing, we're going to start the fund in a few months. Oh, wow. I tell you, it, that's wonderful. That is such great news. You know, hopefully this will help anyone who's been wrongly wrongfully accused of a crime. But, David, now let's be honest now before we get off this air. When you going through this, I bet you probably really found out, like, who your true friends really were, right? Absolutely. That's the one thing you really find out. Because, you know, here I was the front page of the newspaper. And, you know, I had a look at my neighbors. I walked outside, and my picture is in the front page in August of the Sun Sentinel. And every one of my neighbors came over and said, well, what's going on? And I told them the story. They said, that's why they gave you the front page of the newspaper? I thought you, you stabbed or killed somebody. It was, it was a, you know, but everybody stuck by me. Most of the people uh, that know me know I was a good person. A couple of them actually didn't like what I did, no question about it. They didn't think it was a nice thing to do. But none of them, there hasn't been a person that I spoke to except a few prosecutors that think it should have been prosecuted as a criminal case because, you know, prosecutors will prosecute anything. They don't care. No, they don't. And it's all it's so amazing that all they're doing, they're getting money off of you. They don't care if you're innocent or not. Hey, I'm making money off you. That's all that matters, and it's so sad. Someone's life is on the line, and all you can think about is money. That's how greedy our system is. But I hope this book does bring about a change. But, you know, Speaking of your, just talking about your book alone, supposedly this one's supposed to be published because a lot of people don't agree with your book. Well, I had uh, the, uh, you know, because my case uh, involved probation, I actually had the Department of Corrections object to this book being released, and they lost in the hearing at the uh, in Palm Beach. The judge ordered that the book is to be released, and there's to be no interference. Uh, and it took a while. it took a month, but once I got a lot of I've been on some major radio stations. I'm scheduled for CNN. It's doing very well because it actually is a fully educational book and teaches people, you know. And I name everybody's name in the book, which they weren't happy about, also. So you know, including the police <laughs> officer as well. I don't give out their last name, right. but you know, everybody knows who they are. And uh, again, I don't badmouth anybody in the book because the, the cop was doing his job that he thought was right. Uh, you know, if somebody would have educated mm-hmm. him that this wasn't a police matter, which I think he should have known, uh, and the prosecutors, uh, this was a borderline case. They knew it. 
but unfortunately, you know, I aggravated the wrong person. Right. You you scratched the you scratched the nerve that they didn't want to they didn't want to scratch. That's all. And it only affects to me. I love your book, David, but it only affects the ones who feel that they were in the wrong if they felt like they did you wrong. And I hope one day that they could come to the great sense and come back to you and you can they could give you an apology for all of that, but who knows if that will ever come. But I'm glad to have you on the show, and I hope this book helps a lot of people out here because, to me, this is very helpful. I don't think no one has ever been truthful enough to break it down, talking about different types of probation. That Listeners, you'll find so much in this book. He's telling you about the rights you forfeit during the period, Everything that you see on TV that's really not real, this book is explaining everything that you need to know. So please go out. Make sure you get his book. You can find his book on www.wronglycharged.com. It's in Barnes & Noble. You can find it on Amazon, Books A Million. And, David, please, if you can, give the number if someone wants to get in contact with you, too. It's a very easy number. It's a toll-free number, 844-WRONGLY. Well, David, we really do appreciate you coming on to the show. I I thank you so much, and I hope to have you again in the near future. As Kelly Clarkson says, you are so welcome. And as our girl Kelly Clarkson mentions in her song, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. People, I thank you so much for tuning in to the Bright Side with Technician. I hope to catch you on the next episode. You have a blessed day, and I'm on my way to the Arts Festival, and I'll catch you soon. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 